this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, speaking of the union, we have a new union member who just joined us. Hit me. Hit me. Who we got? This is the full name. Uh, There's no breaks. Okay. Sal Bushema Bushima punch enthusiast. Now, I don't know if that means the drink punch, like he likes Hawaiian punch or a punch bowl drink, or if that means right. he likes to punch people. Hmm. Either way, Sal, welcome. I thought it, at mellow, first Sal. when I read it, I thought it said Bushemi, and I was like, maybe he's related. <laughs> and it he's wasn't. Steve Buscemi punch enthusiast. Yes. Yes. Uh, sp- Welcome, Sale. Also, it's a union yes. episode yes. brought to us by the man, the gentleman, who gave us such episodes in the past. You might remember him from Holes Live Through This, The White Stripes, self-titled, PJ Harvey's Rid of Me, Built Spills Perfect, for, from now on um that's uh it's incorrect on the dig me out p- web page it says perfect for now on whoever did that is an idiot fire him that's me uh nirvana's in utero plus a whole bunch of round tables welcome back to the show johnny hooper hey man how you hey. doing so good so good to be here uh people watching the video can see over your shoulder that you have placed an album but for those just listening can you share what the record we'll be talking about for this episode that you picked the record we're talking about is the verbs second record a northern soul the verve people might know them if they're familiar with the 90s from a little from a little single they had called bittersweet symphony which uh was kind of all over the place in 1997 that was unexpected from the verve also their use of a rolling stones huh it was used in a nike commercial right yeah yes and um uh used a not an illegal but an un um uh they didn't get permission to use a, a string sample for that song and i think they lost writing credit for the song is is that what i for a while yeah they um my understanding of it was they thought they had clearance and found out after the song was released that they actually didn't when the rolling stones lawyer called them they lost all the revenue from the song for many years and later on i think a decade later Jagger and Richards said, we're sorry, bro. And cut him back in. So I think everything's right in the world, but for a while there. Guys, we have plenty of money. (laughs) We're good. You can have these pennies that we found in the couch from there from the song, because that's what it's compared to the the, our rest of our catalog. So uh, how did you uh, get into the verve? Was it early in their career or was it later like a lot of people with big single um so much music uh canada's national music video channel used to show um european festivals as part of their alternative music programming ah. and i was fortunate enough to see the 1995 glastonbury festival which um the Verve performed at, along with PJ Harvey, Jeff Buckley, uh, Oasis, a bunch of other acts. But I was really taken by the Verve set. And that's where I came to fall in love with them. So they were touring this record. Uh, the The songs they played on that, on that clip at Much Music showed would have been A New Decade and um, 
slide away from the first record. So that's how I came to know them. So two years previous to um, Urban Hymns. Gotcha. Jay, uh, have you ever gotten in any Verve records or checked them out? Um, I've, I've sampled here and there. I mean, obviously I've heard singles and beyond. So, I mean, I was familiar with the band. I've never really got super into any of the records, though. How about you? Well, the summer that I lived with the former bandmate, Keith Jenkins, who's been on the show, he gave me a stack of CDs because I was night guarding overnight in the dorms in the summer. And uh, in there was like Catherine Wheel and Jawbox and some other stuff. And there was this album and A Storm in Heaven, the first Verve album. And this was like, I guess this would have been summer of 96. So like just before the Urban Hymns album came out. <clears throat> and so I actually got into them on this record and then the other record. And then I went, I got the CDs used and then bought like the, there was an EP that came out first. And then I think there was like a, a compilation of record that was out as well with like B sides and stuff. So I basically bought everything I could at the time. And then the next album came out and I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I like this anymore. <laughs> Cause it was like that, that song blew up so big and it wasn't like yeah. really like um, these records that we're going to, mm -hmm. or this record that we're going to talk about. So I was a bit confused um, when that record came out, but I had definitely dug these albums and I want to say that Keith and I used to go to open mics in Bowling Green. And I think he did on your own at an open mic night, which is a song off of this record. Mm, okay. So I, I'll have to double check that with him, but I, I remember him liking this album and I got into him then too. Little bit of history. History of the band. Both on the band and the record. For people who don't know, the Verve are uh from Wigan, Greater Manchester, England. They formed Wigan. Wigan? Oh, yeah. of course I said it wrong. God damn it, Tim. They formed in 1990 as just Verve. And then in 94, they changed it to The Verve. It was, it's basically been the whole line, the whole time it's been the same guys. So you had uh, Richard Ashcroft, vocalist, guitarist, Nick McCabe, bassist, Simon Jones, and drummer, Peter Salisbury. The easiest group of names I've ever had to pronounce on this podcast. They released... <laughs> They released their uh, their debut EP in May of 94. Oh, sorry. Their debut album in June of 93 followed up with the No Come Down EP in May of 94. Northern Soul, which we're going to be talking about, came in July of 95. Uh, this These are all on the Hut label, Vernon Yard. And then um, were picked up by Virgin along with Hut for... Urban Hymns, which came out in September of 97. Then they went their separate ways for a while. Richard Ashcroft did a bunch of solo records. And then they got back together in 2008 to record and release the album Fourth for their fourth record. Very tricky. Came out in August of, of 2008. Actually, No Come Down was the, the compilation. The Verve EP is the one that came out in 92. That's I, I knew I was not wrong about that the ep came out in 92 anyway this album or sorry uh everybody knows bittersweet symphony they won a, like the bmi pop award for that they uh it was a hit in like a bunch of countries uh it was nominated for uh awards for video of the year in the brit awards the um, won enemy awards this album was nominated for an enemy award yeah all over the over the world there's like denmark they won an award for bittersweet symphony grammy was nominated they were nominated for grammys so that was huge i mean that's you get on the grammy level in the 90s that's a whole nother ball game then you're like with boys to men and mariah carey that's a whole different a whole different uh thing yes it is yeah <laughs> Because then, you know, then you're up there performing in like 
when you when you have a song nominated, you have to perform it, right? Didn't Elliot yep. like Elliot Smith had yep. to get up and perform? You gotta do Miss- choreographed dancing. Carry- exactly. You got on poofy pants. It's a whole other level. Exactly. You gotta be nice to people. Shiny shirts. So the, a Northern Soul was produced by Owen Morris, who um worked with Oasis, Ash, a bunch of other bands. He was recorded uh between 94 and 95 in Wales. And then three singles were released. This is music was released in May 95. On Your Own was released in June 95. And History was released in September of 95. Let's talk about, oh, by the way, Liam Gallagher's on this record. He's got some hand claps on um, History. Thought I recognized those hands. You thought you did. And you were right, Jay. Let's get into some comments over at Patreon. This was interesting. Uh, reading through these comments, it was it was more mixed than I was expecting. They were all over the place. I'm Kyle getting angry. Said, I'm what? getting angry. Yeah, you, no. getting I'm going to hold back my unbridled rage. <laughs> okay, just don't hold it. Back. Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to read them and and you can react. Um, you can you can mime it out. You can okay. mime it with your anger. All right. Okay. Kyle Bittner, I've never been a big fan of the Verve, mainly because that one song was played to death. I went in with low expectations, but was surprised at how nice it was. Maybe it was the chill mood I was in, but I played it twice in a row while I was working, and it was a great vibe. We're the album. All right, we're starting out good. Darren Svedson, Urban Hymns is one of my favorite albums of the late 90s, and when I got into this new band, i.e., one I hadn't heard of prior to Bittersweet, Bittersweet Symphony, I dove into their back catalog. Definitely less overtly commercial and more trippy, shoegazy than urban hymns, with the exception of a few songs like History and On Your Own. Better EP for me as much as it, as much as it pains me. Ian McIver, I don't care for the Verve or Ur- I didn't care for the Verve or Urban Hymns back in 97. Too much ego and self-indulgence. While the album isn't bad, there is less ego compared to Urban Hymns, but the music is very self-indulgent with several six-minute-plus tracks and a few approaching that runtime. A few edits edits and tightening of runtimes, I get a better EP. Edit. As predicted, this did not hold up for me on a repeat list. Brainstorm, Interlude, and Reprise were the only ones that retained interest. Down to a decent single. Played at 33 RPM due to track length. Now I'm 0 for 3 in my DMO New Year's resolution. He said he wasn't going to do decent singles this year on the first three <laughs> decent oh, singles. Man, man, we're we're doing you dirty oh, there. Um, we got to do better. Jeff Jensen said, I forgot on your own existed. Thank you for re- re- refreshing my recollection. Um, Gavin, I get why a lot of people are into the verve, but I'm not one of them. It, it's all very samey and feels like they're building towards a moment they never achieve. Decent single as the music is good. Any song will do. Uh, e. McIver said, I'm sure if I went for a second listen, my vote would have been reduced to a decent single. And it was. Uh, Gavin responded, yeah, not actually being critical as I can hear why others would enjoy it. It's just not for me. I need to go either go somewhere or get more ambient. That's a good statement. It's just not for me. That's that's what I try yeah, to that say. That covers a lot of bases. Yeah, that covers a lot of stuff. Yeah. Darren Leach, I've tried several times to get in this album as like many people. I heard Urban Hymns first, but I just can't connect with the album. The songs team seem to be too druggy and drone along too long. Sorry, Dick Ashcroft, but this is a deep, decent single for me. Dick Ashcroft. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he work in the Bush administration? Yes, he did. Yeah. You know, when they broke uh... up, he had time on his hands. So he went and worked for the Bush administration. <laughs> okay, so I can tell you're you're bothered, you're a little hot from all that uh, negativity. But let's start by talking about what works for us on this record. Jay, tell me one thing that works about a Northern Soul by the Verve. Well, when this record kicks off, it it hits a real sweet spot for me. So it's an ethereal shoegazy sound when those guitars kick in, but there's a, there's a really cool groove. There's something going on. Um, in particular on the first two songs on the record where that kick drum is really active, which I like a lot. And it, it made me think about how other bands would treat that sort of groove. And they would get like super, probably more snare heavy, but I really like the approach here where you just get this big, heavy guitar 
tone that's a little washy, but then there's this kick drum that's really driving along with the bass, you know, a really solid, you know, groove that it's got a little bit of drive to it. Um, makes it super compelling. And then on top, I think the thing that makes it not really shoegaze and takes it to another place is just his his vocals. You know, he's moting a lot. It's got melodically, it's more similar to like a Brit pop kind of sound, but also a little bit different. Um, maybe a little looser at times. So it's this really, you know, I think cool space to be sitting in that allows them to do you know, their own thing. It does have this laid back feel, but with a little bit of sense of like, and en- just enough energy to, you know, pique your interests. And then they're able to shift. So then you get into something like on your own where it's a, it's a very different approach. Like the song who stick right away, vocal comes in right away. There's not like this build and like the, the, the album starts where things kind of develop and then they open up and it feels a little loose on your own like starts right away with like you know here's the song and they deliver that really well and it's a pretty good contrast from where the record starts but it gives you a good feel of like what this band is about the types of things they can do where richard ashcroft is a singer you know works well you know the tone of his voice can deal with those heavier guitars and that kind of washy delayed sound and really you know stand up against it he doesn't get lost in it but also put him over an acoustic guitar you know and he can deliver a sentimental heartfelt you know moment as well I like that that mode of the band. I think it's captured there at the first couple tracks of this record. Uh, I think it's something really unique. You can also start to hear some of, on a song like History, I think, where you can start to hear some of the, maybe the prototype of Bittersweet Symphony with the strings and like the bigger production and things open up and become more kind of dramatic and orchestral you start to hear that side of the band too as the record progresses which is obviously a really compelling sound um as well so i like how the pieces and parts here come together it's hitting a lot of different genres and types of sounds that i like so that's what's working for me what worked for you tim well as i said i was familiar with this record and trying to dissect what actually makes it work i think you hit upon some of it one is the rhythm section is sneakily good um it's pushing on these songs which are slow it's it's druggy is is a way to put it but it's got this drive to it even though it's a mostly mid-tempo to slow record and uh, i think life's an ocean is a good example where it's just bass and drum for a lot of that song but it's got this great like 70s groove going on that I, i don't think a lot of bands could could pull off in the 90s
that's not to diminish what Nick McCabe is doing because his guitar work is incredible on this record. It's so big on some of these songs. I don't know what he's running stuff through, but it sounds enormous. And on a song like a Northern soul, I can't even tell what the hell he's doing. There's so much happening. I know he's using like a wah pedal in there. I know I, I read a little bit about him on his Wikipedia and I know that he said, um, he really likes to experiment and he likes to use a lot of effects pedals and, um, He's really he, his inspirations were like everything from Joy Division to Eddie Hazel of Parliament Funkadelic. So like he's pulling in a lot of different oh, wow. sounds to create this wall of guitar noise that it's just him essentially mm. um, doing all this and combine that with like you said, Richard Ashcroft is not singing like Belinda Butcher from my bloody valentine like these are very clear lyrics yeah he is belting it out it's funny because as an aside you know i never really looked into his lyrics so i started to like read what he was singing about and it i mean a lot of it is fairly um you know it's regular stuff it's it's being sad about losing a girl and stuff like that but there's a part in um so it goes where during the outro, when he says, I'm just a poor little wifeless fella, but I couldn't figure out what he was saying. And I'm like, is he saying I'm just a poor little white Mandela? Like, I hope he's not singing that. I, so I had to look that it up. That would be the most unfortunate lyric ever. That would have been a bad lyric. He's canceled. <laughs> canceled. Because then the next line, another drink and I won't miss her. Um, it, okay, it makes sense. The, it, in, the, in the way I was hearing it, it didn't make sense, but I'm glad I, I was wrong. Um, but I think he he balances between coming up with stuff that's hooky and interesting, but also not like too on the nose boring. Like it's he's really letting the music carry a lot of these songs. And he adds a nice layer on top but like i listen to this just as much for the band as i do richard ashcroft just because there's so much happening um i could listen to an instrumental version of this record and i could listen to this version of the record because just the music is it just feels like it envelops you it just it's so big and the guitars are so enormous that it makes me pay attention um Especially when I put headphones on, it's just so swelling and huge. So, Johnny, what your pick? This uh, what works for you on this record? I love what both of you guys have said. Like to me, you're right. It's musically, it's so captivating. Right, uh, the players are phenomenal. The production values are terrific. And I think what bothers me so much about the comments is there. So many of the people are saying it's it's samey. It doesn't go anywhere. Uh, I, I need I need them to pick a lane, you know. Like, but that's not what I hear at all. What I hear is dynamics. I hear like uh, a new decade. It, it starts with like a bluesy riff, and then it explodes into this this beautiful um, I don't know, like a new era of the band that you that you hadn't heard previously. Uh, this is music, this large soundscape on your own, a, a quite lovely acoustic number. Uh, so it goes a more quiet, um, introspective track that just never bores me. Uh, Life's an ocean, this groove, like you talked about, is I could listen to that 
all day long. It's just so captivating to me. Uh, Drive You Home, it's just a, a perfect a number for what I was experiencing today with like gray skies and rain falling on my car. And like, I could just, it was like the perfect soundtrack to my day. I just hear dynamics with this band. I hear incredible guitar playing. Ashcroft has not fallen over the, the edge yet of being embarrassing and overdoing it and just being a pain in the ass basically. But here everything falls perfectly in line the first record is is beautiful and i listen to it often uh but it is that i find a little samey it it is a little space rocky a little ethereal and it's it kind of stays in that mode for most of that record i feel this record we just hear and see everything and i'm all i'm all in for it and i think it's worth noting that uh, a Northern Soul, while they're talking about ge- geography, they're also talking about there's a musical movement called Northern Soul, which lyrically I think he's tapping into. Um, it was basically like the European response to Motown. And so there was this movement um, out of the mod scene where they were taking, you know, uh, black soul music, but then it was a complete you know, the the english version of that and the lyrical content not necessarily the musical content but the lyrical content where it's you know about relationships and and sad sacks and that kind of stuff a lot of that comes from that style that style of song um like i said those were like more like motown type tracks but i feel like you can hear in terms of like the grooves and stuff the influence that you know soul music has on this band especially in the rhythm section again it's not like super busy but if you listen to the rhythm of like parliament or funkadelic they're not actually super busy rhythms they're consistent and they're on the floor on the floor and you know like that but it's not i know they got it compared to like oasis in some circles but to me it's a completely different approach especially in the rhythm section where, you know, Oasis is really more like driving and this is so much more laid back. Everything's like, you feel like you're out, you're like kind of on a boat, just kind of rocking. Whereas that was all like up to not up tempo, but like on top of things, it, it was interesting revisiting this because I, I didn't know that connection. I didn't know what Northern soul was when I was listening to it in 1996 I didn't really have a good idea of where they were from or anything like that. So hearing or reading about their, you know, the influence that that had on them was an interesting take. Jay, what do you think about the, uh, what he brought up with regards to the samey sound uh, or, or the lack of, I think, who was it that mentioned that they thought that it was Gavin, that they said they thought the sound, the songs are building toward a moment that they never achieve. I guess I'll roll that into what doesn't work. I, I think I can relate to what some of those comments are. To me, there's a there's a problem in the middle of this record that then casts a I think a shadow over the rest of it. So it gets experimental for me to the point of like and slower. So once you hit Northern Soul, things get a little loopy, they get less structured brainstorm interlude same thing you know these are longer sections i mean we're talking about 11 minutes of music between those two drive you home is still kind of spacey feeling and very slow and quiet so there's this middle section of the record that really tries at least for me kind of my attention it's very difficult to stay engaged it just starts to like lose the script for a while um it comes back with history and then i think the rest of the album from there is like okay history pulls me back in and then i'm starting to find my feet again and life's an ocean is working storming clouds is working like you know i think there's some solid stuff on the back half it's just this middle section that then i think disorients me a little bit makes it difficult to stay engaged i i do think those songs it's hard to 
they're looser, so I'm wanting them to percent crescendo and go someplace different or have a big change, and they kind of don't. So, so I, I think that section uh, is challenging for me, but then also for others, they're sort of like didn't probably you know spend a week with this. Could you know walk away shading your judgment on the whole record? Like you just remember that middle section that then it all starts to blur together and it all starts to feel that nebulous and you know less defined as i think if you just listen to the first four tracks and sort of the end it's a different experience so that that's sort of what didn't work for me and maybe got it you know what some of those comments are about what, what did you think in terms of that or anything else that didn't work well i know i'm i'm often the one that says this the album's too long and the songs need to be tightened up and blah blah blah. this is a case where i actually think everything works fine the way it is um i think these songs need to stretch out i think they need to be a little a little shaggy a little bit longer um i think that's what makes them so interesting and that's what makes the band interesting is that they don't ad- abide by single length like, I don't ever need to hear a single edit of any of these songs. I just want to put it on and get like cascading guitar sounds and stuff happening with me, uh, happening on top of me while I'm trying to, you know, take all this in. I think Ashcroft at, at some times is a little over the top. Sometimes he gets a little bit too big with his vocal. I like it when he's a little more in like the mid range sound, a little bit more in mid range, but like he's. Like history is a good spot for me with the way he sings. I like the music to a northern soul, but he kind of gets into a rut with his melody on that song. It's repetitive after a while. It's like a six and a half minute song, but I love the music to that song. It's such a weird song that a ba- like I can't imagine a band playing that song. I have to look up what what they what it looked like because I mean that's a it's just a Nick McCabe guitar riff that he's playing that is just really messed up. Um, yeah. And I read I read a quote from the um, producer on the record that said, uh, Owen, um, what's his name again? Morris. <laughs> Owen Morris. Mm-hmm. He said uh, about Nick McCabe. Where is it? It's a it's a good quote because he, he worked with obviously Oasis and the Verve. He said, uh, Nick McCabe is without a shadow of a doubt, the most gifted musician I've ever worked with. But. He was a complete and utter nightmare to work with because he never plays the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. He said, you can ask Noel Gallagher to play the same guitar line a hundred times. And as long as there are a good reason for him to do it, he does it, but Nick won't do it. And that's what he does. <laughs> so it's, it's fascinating because like, this is, this is what was captured. Um, I think in the first record, they didn't even have like songs, basically they just recorded and jammed and, this was actually their attempt to like structure songs going into the studio, mm. which it does sound like, I mean, there's more discernible choruses on this one than the first record. There's more discernible melodies. It's not as, I mean, people bring up shoegaze that even is even more on that end of things. I, I hesitate to put them in the shoegaze category because I think of that as more, I don't know, like abrasive. And this is more like psychedelic rock to me. Like yeah, this, me too. This feels more like you've just hit had a really nice bong hit, and you're just kind of <laughs> enjoying the, the the colors and the sounds, and maybe drop a little acid. I don't know. I've never done that. Um, 
I know you were offended, Johnny, by the implications there might be in anything wrong with this record. But do you have any gripes with anything on this album? Oh, I mean, for sure. Like, I'm just saying, like, decent single? That's outrageous. Okay, people, <laughs> <laughs> like, back up the decent single. But uh, listen, I'm not listening to Brainstorm Interlude. I mean, I'm not listening to, uh, I don't listen to History. I don't listen to Northern Soul, but I still think this record is incredible. Really? You don't like Northern Soul? No, I, it's it's okay. I definitely don't enjoy History. It's just a little too a little too accessible for me. I need a little bit it's more. It's the strings. They get so yeah. weepy. Yeah, and you know, there's plenty of that on Urban Hymns. I'm just not I'm not at mm-hmm. home for, you know, like that's not the verb that I love. So, you know, when they start with a new decade, that sounds like a mission statement to me. Like just a new decade, the radio plays, the sounds we made, and and the the way that guitar comes in, that like bluesy riff that just absolutely opens up. I'm just I'm just cuckoo bananas for that. Um but yeah, I, I I can see that the the middle part of the record is a bit of a slog, but it doesn't matter. You just fast forward and you keep going because that that latter half is incredible. Uh, no knock on my door, life's an ocean, stormy clouds. It, it is just blistering. And yeah, they're longer tracks and they need to be longer tracks because they're really enjoyable. There's a lot there to take in. Um, I just wish people would 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 hear that. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised at some of your choices of what what doesn't work for you. I I like the brainstorm interlude. I like their, I like the instrumentals as much mm-hmm. as the, the album stuff. But I agree, history is like the one track that leans towards a little almost like sappy. Um, yeah, that's like Ashcroft solo stuff. Like uh, that's embar- like his solo stuff is embarrassing. Go away. Stop I liked it. a few Stop songs it. on that first record, like, um. What was there was uh what was the single off that first one? And there was a song about New York City that was okay. But... I don't want to talk about it. No. Okay. I apparently that's we're not gonna be doing that for our two thousands. Uh... no. <laughs> no. But you know, it's weird because like a song like Life's an Ocean, I I like some of the lyrics. Like I was buying some feelings from a vending machine. That's like a kind of an iconic lyric. I think they've actually used that in like album artwork or or single artwork. But then he just keeps ride, yeah. He keeps he keeps the the rhyming on that song. Life's an ocean, too much commotion, too much emotion, and then uh, this slippery, slidey road. <laughs> like what's a a slippery slide? It's a slippery road. You don't have to say slidey. I understand you need the the the, the number of um, consonants in your rhyme scheme there, but like some of the, the lyrics are are a little. Um, like I said, they walked the line between being uh, a little weak. I, I've never thought of him as being like an expert, uh, you know, songwriter as his solo material shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know some people that really like that solo material. And I was always like, I don't get it. What What are you hearing? A song for love. Is it a song for lovers? Is that the name of the single? Which wasn't I'm bad. Ta- I'm not talking about it. You're not talking about it. Okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Tim just makes you. He keeps pulling you back in. Yeah, that's not happening. Well, surprise, because joining us right now is Richard Ashcroft <laughs> to talk about his solo career. That would be funny. Didn't he like fall off a stage at one point? Like he was performing. I think that happened in like the, either the first or the second album tour. Great. Because he was like doing some. I remember he kind of like went off the bend for a little while was behaving badly he showed up on like a a football program like some sort of like morning football program and like a a a plastic bag of powder fell out of his pants oh my goodness everyone saw it yeah him and ian brown they have some issues yeah (laughs) that uh that's why they're not real active anymore i when was the last time ashcraft made any music I don't remember. Uh, uh, I don't think it's been that long, actually. Really? Yeah, I think he's still out there doing doing his thing. He's actually, I just saw a headline that he's playing solo shows this year. 
Uh, yeah, Alone with Everyone came out in 2000, then Human Conditions, Keys to the World, These People. Natural Rebel was in 2018, and then he did um, he did a acoustic version of Urban Hymns called Acoustic Hymns Ugh. in 2021, which is... Um, oh, don't... Let's not keep going with this. He also did an album called United Nations of Sound. Yeah. One of the songs is co-written with Maurice Gibb. Okay. That's interesting. Didn't know that. Um, Yeah, he's he's got some questionable. Yeah. Come on, people. We're making it now. That was the other single that was from Alone With Everybody, the record I'll be sending you uh, in the mail. Great. So you can... I'll, I'll, I'll return to sender asshole <laughs> uh, um, so this came out in 95 obviously we know that the big record for them is the next one I feel like beyond on your own there is a, you're hard pressed to find something in 95 that's going to be on the radio I mean I would say like 120 minutes alternative nation is going to play you know, a new decade. If there's what were the singles again? Um, I think it was. Uh, this is music on your own and history. In history, yeah. So yeah, I, I they would play those ones. On your own was probably the only one that might get thanks to Wonderwall, mm-hmm. <laughs> might get any sort of attention. Um, and both bands have uh, a slide away. You know, that's true. Oasis has slide away, and of course, Verve had slide away first. I think on your own is capoed on the second fret, and so is Wonderwall. There you go. So you could easily morph from one song to the other if you're in a Britpop cover band. Mm. Um, Good to know. Yeah, but I don't think that. I, point being, I don't think that this was going to make big impact on the radio in 1995, at least in the United no. States. No. I know they did well in in the UK in terms of it went to number 13 on the UK albums chart. Um, and number 102 on the Belgian albums chart, <laughs> but that's it. So, cause this, to me, it's a, it's an album. This is not mm-hmm. a bunch of singles the way that some other bands are. So let's get into our overall ratings on this record. Were the album better EP or decent single? We'll share the poll results after hours, but Jay, where do you land for Northern soul by the verve? I think if Johnny was here, he might cut me, but I got to be honest. Oh, got to go with an EP. There's just too many songs here that I'm, I'm skipping to say a worthy album. Um, so I'm going to keep the first four tracks. I think it's a solid start. I agree. A new decade is incredible. I love the lyrics in that song too. And then you get to Northern Soul. I want to. I want to cut from there. I like history, and I like Life's an Ocean and Stormy Clouds. That would be my. So you get that seven. Would be my pitch for an EP. Yeah. So se- honestly, that's a seventies record, based yeah. on the length of those songs. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that's a worthy album, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> that feels I like cut that's like four, cut one, two, three, four, five songs. But we got seven. That's a claim that just sneaks in as worthy album. Yeah. I mean, you do four and three on a 70s record, you're getting in there. Tim, am I right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first four songs are like, (laughs) it's about 20 minutes. We could call it a 70s album if we want to go there. 70s album. It's a a, a 90s EP and a 70s album. Yeah. Because, uh, you know what? Give me ten minutes with Jay. I'll I'll kind of I'll get him over the line <laughs> with "Driving You Home" or "No Knock on My Door." One of the two. He's got eight. Done deal. We're off to the bar. We're the album. That's it. Are, are you in sales? Hundred <laughs> percent. He's getting a cut of all the sales for this. Oh my yeah. gosh, that was awesome. Where are you I'm at, going, Tim? I'm at a worthy album. Oh, uh, I've I've liked this record since Keith put it in the pile for me to listen to at midnight to 8 a.m. on my night guard duty. So there's not really, I mean, if I guess if I was going to cut anything, I'd cut history 
just because I feel like that's the weakest guitar song in relation to the rest of the record. And I really like Nick McCabe as a guitar player. Um, but the band really shines, I feel like, on this record. So, yeah, it's a worthy record for me, which I know it's a long record and these are long songs, but this is the right format for me to listen to that. Johnny? Agreed. I mean, I'm just cutting um, Brainstorm Interlude and History, and I'm fine with the rest of it. So I'm actually a bigger fan than you. Yeah, it's crazy how that worked (laughs) out, eh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you just oh. never know how it's going to turn out you I never know, know. i mean if you're in for the instrumentals you're in you're in for the whole thing i mean mm-hmm. yeah that's the most challenging part of the record well i listen to a lot of instrumental music so it doesn't i don't consider it that challenging um well it's also i, I don't know i think that guitar loop thing in northern soul is abrasive like it's I'm not a loop it's just him playing well whatever it is like by the end of that, I'm like, okay, I don't need to hear that again for a while. I mean, it's a cool sound at first, but after six minutes, I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. getting dizzy. It's the Eddie Hazel. That's that's the thing. It's the it's the psychedelic, tripped out 70s parliament, or more actually more funkadelic. Funkadelic was the more rock psychedelic mm-hmm. end of it. Um, even though they're basically the same band. Uh that's that's what I get from that song is that that's mm. that is tripped out, you know, you're yeah. you're on a you're on a voyage with that with that guitar sound and track. Well, uh, that's not legal here in Texas yet, so no, you enjoy yourself up there in Ohio. <laughs> I thought you were a freedom state. Guess not. That's not what freedom means, Tim. Freedom isn't free. It costs folks like you and me. Freedom costs a buck oh five that's exactly uh our poll this is how it shook out 50 percent were the album those are the right people the correct people better ep 29 percent decent single 21 percent oh my god so johnny's having an aneurysm <laughs> oh. over those over that result look wow. you still won you still yeah. won the poll you just uh you know, but I said to you previously that I want to be unheckable when I come on here. I, <laughs> I have been heckled with this record and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I am not happy. I, I pondered like night and day before responding to your email. I've got three records here. I'm mm. feeling good about all of them, but I'm going to go with this one. I feel this is this is what I'm going with right now. I, right now, I'm just. I'm distraught and somewhat devastated. Are you second guessing or do you? I, I, I did not want this to end this way. I don't want to be heckled on dig me out. <laughs> like I'm just bothered by it. That none of my other selections have gone down like this. And you I'm thought just, you had uh, Pittsburgh. I thought Pirates. I had the people. I thought I had the people. I've misread the room. Yeah. You thought you had Pittsburgh Pirates, Bobby Bonilla, but you actually had New York Mets, Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. I got bonilla you got Benia. <laughs> okay. Uh, it happens. My, the next pick's going to be. Can't all be worthy albums. I'm, I'm fearful now of what your next pick is going to be like some sort of a revenge pick where it's, uh, you're going to. Stay you're tuned. Gonna, oh my God. <laughs> Stay this tuned. It's going to be. Shit. Uh oh. <laughs> Look out. We're in trouble. Here's Johnny. Yeah, I've come back. I, I, I'm just saying. There's some well, massive guitars involved. Okay. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Are we, are we gonna be listening to the Glenn Branca Orchestra with the uh, 80 guitars at the same time? I'm not. I'm not spilling anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, if if you would like to uh, be like Johnny and wreak havoc on our um, ears with <laughs> a guitar assault, uh, you can head on over to the DMO or sorry to DMOUnion.com or DigMeOutUnion.com not the, where you can join the union. Uh, you can vote in the polls, such as this one, which greatly disappointed Johnny, or in one of our album tournament polls. Every month we do an album tournament, 18 albums enter, one album leaves, all suggested at digmeoutpodcast.com. You can suggest for this podcast and for the new 
Dig Me Out 80s Metal Podcast. Suggestions go in there as well. I know we got to build that hopper up. So get some get some albums in there. You've been itching to get that Shark Island album submitted. Go That's ahead right. and do it. Is there really a band called Shark Island or I just make that up? There is. Oh, wow. Way to go. Is Saddleback Shark also a band? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I feel like there might have been a Saddleback Shark band. Maybe there was a local band. Anyway, uh, that's where you go. Digmeoutpodcast.com. It's where, where you can go also to sign up for the Box Newsletter. It's a release calendar of 80s, 90s, and aughts music, books, movies, documentaries, etc. We've been Every doing on history of the band articles too so yep over on our sub stack um, lots of stuff we also share stuff from other writers it's a lot of fun a lot of interaction just it's like a it's like a blog almost from the early 2000s where you would like link to another blog and like hey this is a cool blog kind of yeah i think uh also it's a way to get stuff sent to your inbox if you want to keep track of what we're up to and don't want to have to go looking around for it if you're tired of spam, uh, maybe you want some real email and not <laughs> and not um, put that e- inbox to use. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave positive feedback for this show. Johnny, thank you once again for being. Thank here. you, guys. It's always a pleasure. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.